When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and I'm super excited because we have one of the newest members of our Her Hoop Stats team with me today, TJ Johnson. Hey, TJ, how's it going? Hey, Megan, happy Wednesday. How are you? I am good. How are you? We're halfway I'm good. I, I don't know, we're halfway through the week, uh, hump day, looking forward to Friday. Summer is winding down, so I'm excited. Yeah, summer's winding down and the WNBA regular season is winding down, which feels crazy, but we're already like two weeks into this post-Olympic break and moving very quickly towards the playoffs. Yeah, I know. Talk about overwhelming. We had to watch four games last night at <laughs> once, right? So I'm still trying to, trying to get my head on straight still. <laughs> For sure, yeah. It's like one of my biggest gripes with the schedule when I do things like that. I'm like, I feel like a lot of people that are WNBA fans are like fans of the league, not just like fans of one team. So they want to watch multiple games. Like, why not at least, like, I get that there's only so many primetime spots, but why not at least make like one tip at seven or two tip at seven and two tip at nine so you can watch two of them? Listen, I definitely, I definitely agree. That's why yesterday I was like, hey, if anyone has an Apple TV, you can actually watch all four at once on multicast. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it was difficult for, I think, everyone yesterday. Yeah, I am impressed if you watched all four at once, even as someone that's usually a multi-screen person. I'm like, I can't focus on that many things at one time. <laughs> no worries, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. But it was an eventful night, especially I would say like 
to me, I think from the outcomes, like the most interesting one was maybe the the Storm Lynx game. One, because mm -hmm. Minnesota picks up a big win. I think kind of a statement win for them to kind of come out with that win. And then yeah. also Sylvia Fowles. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I will say I don't, you know, out of all of four of the games, I think the Seattle and Minnesota game right from the tip, like the intensity was very high. I mean, you know, Seattle, they've been rolling even after the Commissioner's Cup, but Minnesota came to play yesterday. And like, to your point, I think that started with Sylvia Fowles. Like, she set the tone for Minnesota. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just an absolutely insane night for her. Like, I was watching multiple things and, like, switching back and forth and stuff, but I was, like, looking at the box score, I'm like, am I reading this right? Like, how is this possible? Did <laughs> someone make a mistake? But, yeah, 29 points, 20 rebounds, and then four steals and three assists, three blocks, two to go along with it. Just absolutely insane yeah I mean Minnesota watching that game Minnesota from the jump they had a plan they were going to get the ball inside to Sylvia Fowles and uh, Nafisha Collier and that's what they did by halftime Sue was rolling like you know what I mean it's not often that Seattle is down most of the game right and um Brianna Stewart was guarding her some plays and I think that they just maximized on the opportunity to you know score against Stewart yeah, I mean, I think a smart plan, right? I feel like when you look at Seattle, like they're really good, but I think there is just like a little bit of weakness in that front court and that you don't really have like a starting caliber setter to play again, alongside Brianna Stewart. So there's just always a little bit of opportunity in that front court. And then if you're a team like Minnesota that has Sylvia Fowles, who's obviously one of the best centers in the league, and then <laughs> Collier too, you got to take advantage of that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mercedes Russell, we, we know what her job is on Seattle, right? It's to defend and to get rebounds. So, you know, she's holding her own. But like you said, the front court between Fee and Fowles, you know, they found the they were able to expose Stewart. And, you know, Fowles just had a career night. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for her, to yeah. say the least. I'm happy for her. Agreed. I think just a player that's been playing so well all season long. And then I think having a night like that, like definitely got some of the attention she's deserved all season last night. Because... A, a, a lot of people forget about what she's done for, you know, the course of her career. Like we can go into the four medals, um, the WNBA champion finals MVP, but for Sylvia Fowles to be at the age she is still in tip top shape, still going out every night producing, I think she's one of the people that we have to recognize now before it's too late and they retire. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. I mean, you're looking at a player that's in their 14th season in the league, which is just impressive in their own its own right, right to even be like starting in your 14th season in the league. But then she's basically a shoe in at this point, I would say, for Defensive Player of the Year. Like if someone wins Defensive Player of the Year over her, I will be annoyed. And then she's... <laughs> kind of in the MVP conversation too still so just like to be do producing at that level 14 years into your career at 35 years old it's just it's incredible I know it's amazing I'm interested to see um you know how Minnesota continues the rest of the season just off of last night's game like in my in my book they were just like they were the better team last night in the WNBA hands down yeah and their team I think I feel like it took them a little bit to find their footing this season, which I think with so many new pieces isn't really that surprising, but they really have been rolling since kind of before the Olympic break. I think it's up to, they've won 10 of their last 12 now with those two losses coming to Connecticut, which is obviously mm -hmm. another great team and 
So they they look really good and are kind of, I feel like, peaking at the right time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And like, to your point, they were adding pieces. Um, you know, Clarendon came, Dangerville was in, Powers got hurt, Achamo got hurt. Now everybody's working their way back. So I think they're finally getting their groove in the second half of the season to make that playoff push and potentially be a title contender, Megan. Yeah, I agree. And that's a great segue to one of the other things <laughs> I wanted to talk about, which is the title contenders. Are they in kind of the group of teams, whatever that is, that you would consider to be title contenders right now? Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be biased and I'm just gonna break this down through three ways really quickly. So I'm from the East Coast. I love what Connecticut is doing. They're number one right now. But I don't know, and this is what we've seen before, I don't know if the best team in the East has enough to beat the best team in the West in a, in a, in a, in a game series. So I like Connecticut. I like what they're doing without Thomas, but I don't know if they have enough to win a championship. I really like the Aces, Megan. I like the Aces with the addition of Chelsea Gray, Raquana Williams, Kelsey Plum. She's coming off the bench. She's doing her thing. Um, Asia Wilson, we know she's one of the best players in the league. So to me, Vegas is a title contender. And then we all know Seattle. We know what they're doing. Stewart is having a great year. Sue Bird is having a great year. Jewel Lloyd. Like, they're, they're, they're just rolling year after year. So um, those, those are my top three. If I had to put money on who's winning, Megan, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going with Vegas. I, I like Vegas. I think Vegas is gritty. I think the addition of Chelsea Gray and Raquana Williams makes them makes them that they, it makes them better. <laughs> I do like this Vegas team. I must say, but I we're going to disagree a little bit here because I actually have kind of dropped Vegas out of my title contenders, which is. Probably mm-hmm. a bit of a hot take. I don't know that that's probably a not popular <laughs> take. I just feel like to me, they've struggled against kind of the top teams this season. They have yet to beat Connecticut. They have yet to beat Minnesota. They have beat Seattle. Two of those games were played the first week of the season. So I don't put a whole lot of weight on them. And then they did beat them in overtime. So that is a quality win. But I feel like they've struggled a lot. And that sometimes I just feel like they rely too heavily on Asia Wilson, and I think we saw that a little bit in their loss to Connecticut last night, if she doesn't have a good night, which is obviously not something that happens often, but (laughs) when she doesn't have a good night, they're just not a, can't be kind of that top level team that we see when she is on. Granted, Asia Wilson. Yeah, I I understand your perspective. Um, I love agree to disagree, or I love just uh, open communication. I feel like Vegas was there last year. They know what it felt like to lose, not only lose, but to get swept. And they added, they added more pieces to the puzzle. They added more pieces to the puzzle by bringing Gray and Williams. So I'm hoping Vegas gets it together. I'm hoping Vegas gets it together. And we have, you know, that one-two punch between them and Seattle. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're definitely not fully out of it. Like I wouldn't be shocked to see them in the finals. I just, I feel like they're a little further behind those other three teams for me. I do have Minnesota in that conversation though. I think when you look at the way that Minnesota has been playing over the last month, month and a half or so, they feel like a title team to me. I had them there at the beginning of the season and I was like, what is going on when they dropped their first three games? But I do feel like they're, they're peaking in, their, in that conversation to me, I think. Yeah, I mean, to make it. and 
and the West is strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. The West is strong. We sit here, we talk about Seattle, we talk about Minnesota, we talk about Vegas. Um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a grinded out, and it also depends on you know injuries, um, stamina. I'm really interested to see what Seattle does with Sue Bird's minutes and how Jordan Canada performs off the bench. Yeah, I think that's going to be such a huge piece of Seattle is kind of the minutes management, especially when you have players like, I mean, Stort's young, so that helps, but Bernard Stort, who just played a ton of minutes in the Olympics, and that's kind of two of your core three. And I mean, Julie played the Olympics too, not as many minutes, but yep. just three players that are kind of really the core of everything that you do have not really had a break. So I think that could be hard for them down the stretch though if I have to put a money on a team I'm still putting it in Seattle because I don't know the last time Brianna Stewart lost in a major tournament she played in. I mean yeah I, I don't know neither I think I tried to google it the other day and I made a joke and I was like maybe PAL or CYO or something like that but um I don't know I mean it, it'll it'll be very interesting um I hope Vegas puts it together. Uh, I hope Bill and Beer just you know puts Asia and the rest of the team in the right spots to make another title run yeah, I agree. I would like to see Vegas kind of get there. I feel like it's like, you know, Asia's world <laughs> since resume is so insane already for someone her age and the title is kind of like the next thing that needs to go on it. <laughs> yeah, she needs it. She needs it. I just feel like she's having a great year. I just think Cam Beige, I, I'm I'm a, a glass half full type of person and I feel like everything is just going to come together at the right time like we're seeing with Minnesota so glass half full glass half full fair enough I think the one thing that just strikes me is holding Vegas back is like their their lack of three-point shooting and I know that's a big part of when Beer's like game plan but to me it always just I'm like that like having that extra element a little bit more in their game plan would just, I think, allow them to space the floor better and just be a little bit more lethal. I feel like it holds them back just a spec. Not that I know anything. Yeah, no, no. I mean, (laughs) no, that's a great point because we know Vegas is going to go inside out, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Raquana Williams, is she shooting something like 39% from three right now at the field, from the field? I think that's right. So they are definitely doing a little bit better at it this season. Yeah. So, I mean, we know know their snipers are Williams, you know, Kelsey Plum stepped back. She can create her own shot. Chelsea Gray, we know she could come up with a big shot. But to your point, the three, to your point, the shot has to be consistent. And that's where Vegas is lacking. So, uh, look, a good agree to disagree, Megan. Great. Yes. It's always good to have a little bit of disagreement. Otherwise, we're just like, yeah, we both think this team's going to win it. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. No, not at all. And I think um, the last part is, I don't know if you've seen the documentary that Chelsea Gray did when she talked about why she decided to leave LA and go to Vegas. Um, Did you see it? I did not. So I'm excited for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no worries. I was just going to say even the culture, just the winning culture that she's bringing from L.A., being a veteran, coming to Vegas, that grit, that hustle, your floor general. Chelsea Gray didn't come to Vegas to lose. Yeah. Like she, she, <laughs> she came to build something. She came to win. So we'll see. We'll have to place a friendly wager on this. <laughs> Great, we should. <laughs> but yeah, no, I do think she came with that mentality to win, and as she's obviously been just such a huge addition for Vegas this offseason. I think adding her has not only obviously given them Chelsea Gray, which is a huge addition in its own right, but it's also opened up 
Jackie Young, I think, to be a much more effective player than she was when she was playing more in that point guard spot. So it, it really had some mm-hmm. wonders for the, the Vegas kind of lineup that was already married yeah. without her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, another asset is also adding Kia Stokes, you know, to that to that front court. So when, say, Cam uh, Bade is tired or, you know, Asia may is having a rough night, you could bring Kia Stokes off the bench. You can maybe pair her with Hamby. So we know the aces are big. They look deep. I'm excited for the playoff push. Yeah, I do think that's one thing that really favors the Aces kind of going into that playoff push is their depth because you have mm-hmm. Hamby and Plum off the bench and then also, like you said, Kia Stokes in the front court. I think they have more depth than some of these other title contender teams that we're talking about. Minnesota kind of has it too, but I think they have more depth than like a Seattle or a Connecticut does. 100%. That's why I, that's why I picked them as my front runners. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like that covers the title contenders, but also wanted to hit on ESPN today came out with a list of the top 25 players under 25 in the league. Obviously, no surprise, Asia Wilson is at the top of that list, but I think it was (laughs) overall an interesting list. I don't know. I think there's parts of it that I agree with and parts where I'm like, how is this player this far down the list? Um, I know you just had a chance to read it, so I also wanted to get your thoughts on kind of maybe who your top five, six players would be in the league versus, I'll read out first what ESPN had for reference. So ESPN had it started off as Asia Wilson at one, Nafisa Collier at two, Arike Gumbawale at three, Ariel Atkins at four, Brianna Jones at five. Um, and I'll also add in Kelsey Mistel, Mitchell at six. But that was their top six, which I found interesting I think to say the least I definitely have some different takes and I think you do too so curious to hear kind of who you think might be in your top five I mean first and foremost congratulations to uh every player that made this list um you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a it's a it's a small league 144 players so congratulations to all the players um in regards to the list Megan i we know what Asia Wilson can do. We know what Fee can do. We know what Arike can do. There's there's people, there's there's players on the list, excuse me, such as Turner from Phoenix, who is at number 12. And I think what she brings to Phoenix playing alongside Brittany Griner um, and also being healthy, you know, like Diggins has went out with injuries. Tarasi has been out. Griner left the bubble last year. And I feel like someone like, Turner has been consistent during the course of her time in the WNBA. So I think Turner should definitely be higher. Um, Azaree Stevens, I believe she's at 24. I definitely think she should be higher. Um, another player that stuck out to me on this list, Crystal Dangerfield. She was our rookie of the year. She's at 17. She, you know, hasn't been producing that much this year with Clarendon coming into the starting role, but I definitely think she should be rated higher than that um another name that stuck out to me Kia Nurse I know she's you know kind of in a slump shooting with Phoenix this year she was an all-star when she was at the Liberty um she was one of the main players on the Liberty correct me if I was wrong in the bubble and we have her ranked lower than I mean we have her ranked lower than Satu Sable Marina maybe Mabry and I'm just, I'm just not okay with that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not okay with that because I'm looking at the course of these women's careers, not just one year. So 
that that's my thoughts i'll 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 leave it to you <laughs> yeah no i agree i do feel like there's a little bit of recency bias on some of this because agreed there's a player like kia maris like yes yeah, she has struggled with her shots on this year and even a little bit in the bubble last year but she i mean she struggled shooting for the liberty in the bubble bubble but she was also pretty much the like main focus of every team's defense so that's, that's obviously gonna <laughs> hurt your shooting yeah. a little bit <laughs> no 100 percent. and as i scroll through it again you have someone like uh, katie lou samuelson who's mm-hmm. at 18 like let's not forget the addition that she's brought to Seattle this year with her shooting ability she was going to the Olympics to play on a 303 before she had COVID but if someone like her we have her ranked 18 and we have you know other players that are ranked higher than her that are not bringing that same valuable to their to to their team yeah I would definitely agree with that I think there's a lot of players on here that there is some yeah, recency bias or maybe non-recency bias. Like I know Kennedy Carter is great, but she's also has not played the game in two months. So that's Yeah, no, <laughs> to your point, someone like Ari McDonald, who they have at 25, then she should be ranked higher because she's playing game in and game out, producing for her team. Right. Yeah. But the one you brought up at the beginning is I think what stuck out almost the most to me was Brianna Turner, because I truly believe if you put Brianna Turner on a team other than like a Phoenix or a Minnesota, where there's not like this all-star center that's been a part of the program for a long time, Brianna Turner could be a starting center in this league. And what she does defensively for Phoenix, and she knows her role very well in Phoenix, but defensively, she's one of the best defenders in the league already I think going into the season people had her in conversation for a potential maybe she could be in that defensive player of the year race like she is already that good defensively and yeah her offensive stats don't jump off the page which I'm sure contributes to her falling further down on this list but I think she's a player that is definitely a top five player under 25 kind of without question I mean yeah but if you and to your point you brought up something great you brought up her offensive talent which is probably dropping her low on the list but Kudos to the Phoenix Mercury staff, because if you watch their games, they have learned how to, they have learned, excuse me, how to put her in positions to score. Example, one of Phoenix's plays this year is a back, they run like a backdoor alley-oop to the other side of the basket for Turner, because she's one of the only players in the league that can get up and get that. So Phoenix is finding ways for her to get her offensive numbers up, but you can't deny her defensive rebound and you can't deny her defensive knack regarding like the best players and in my opinion some of the best players in the w are in the front court at the four and the five so every night she's battling a brianna stewart a sylvia fowles excuse me asia wilson and she she holds her own for phoenix i commend her top five (laughs) yeah for sure i think that's the most important part that she is night in and night out facing one of the best players in the league pretty much and she she does it's Excellent job at that. And I also think, like you said, like they're working on the offense and the offense will come. I think it's, it seems like it's a lot easier to, you know, add the offensive skill set later than to add the defensive skill set later. I think having that I mean, defensive adjustment so early on is, I think, really impressive. Yeah, she, she's going to grow in her role. I mean, we know what Phoenix, you know what Phoenix have. You know, Tarashi's going to get her shot. Skylar Diggins-Smith is going to get her shot. You know, they're going to throw it out, throw it down the grinder. So, Turner just has to find her spacing on the floor, hit the 15th floater, hit the little floater, and it, it'll come. It'll come over time, but top five. I don't, I don't like her at 12, Megan. I don't like that. <laughs> <Me neither. laughs> 
I don't I don't I don't like that. Um just to just to pick your brain um a little bit, I know they have uh Dallas has ten and eleven with Marina Mabry and Satu Sable. How do you feel about them going ten and eleven? Yeah, to me I'm surprised that Mabry is ahead of Sable. I know Mabry has had a great season this year and she has definitely been a better player this year than we've seen in past seasons, but I feel like Satu Sable is a player that just kind of does a little bit of everything. She's really athletic. I I feel like her game maybe order, warrants her being ahead of Mabry on this list. I also feel like 10 for Marina Mabry is just a little bit high. I, I like her game, but so much of it focuses on perimeter shooting, and I feel like she needs to develop her game on other areas of the floor a little bit to kind of earn that 10th spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I agree. And sorry, I'm still looking at it. Like Ruthie Hebert, like, let's not forget, you know, when Chicago, you know, Candace Park was hurt, uh, Stephanie Dolson left, you know, to compete in three on three. Um, Ruthie Hebert was very efficient from the floor, shooting over 50% for the sky. Yep. Yeah, she's been fantastic this season. And they're still in the playoff race. So, yeah, I don't know. I think we should do our own list. We should do our own list yeah. next week and release it on Twitter. <laughs> I like that plan. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah, I think we need to do that because I have too many gripes with this to talk about on the podcast. I feel like I'm just like, it's something that, yeah, I really struggle with. We'll be here all night. <laughs> yeah, even like I struggle with Natisha Heidemann being all the way down at 22 for the Sun because she's you know, basically Connecticut's best player off the bench. So you're talking about the best player off the bench on a championship contending team. Like that's, I think a lot more than a lot of these players. Yeah, I would, I would have, I think we should send them an email and just <gasps> ask their matrix, the matrix <laughs> that, they, that they, that they use. But I mean, again, again, it's a list. Right. I mean, some players, hopefully some players, it's just fuel to their fire um, and that, you know, they'll help their teams in the second half of the season. But I mean, overall, you know, we're going to have some biases, but it's, a, it's, you know, it's a list. I just wish certain people would have been hired to showcase their talents and what they're contributing to not only their team, but the league. But here we are. Yeah, <laughs> Lisa's has created a storm of arguments on Twitter, it seems like, today. So anything that gets people talking about the W, I feel like, is always good. So <laughs> if it's a right. conversation, <laughs> we're going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, listen, no worries. I'm here. <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um. So I just want to... um. One thing I do want to ask you is, what's your thoughts? I mean, you know, we're we're so late. What's your thoughts on the Commissioner Cup uh, next year? So, what was your thoughts on it this year, and how the game maybe can improve for years to come? Yeah, I liked it in the one. It's, I mean, it's a huge opportunity for these players to win extra money in a league that the salaries are not that high. I think it's great that they get this opportunity to take home a nice big bonus in the middle of the season and create some interest. I get that the fact that it was on Amazon Prime was probably a sponsorship type thing, but to me, I'm like a big tournament game like that where you're hyping it up. It's between two of the best players in the league. Like put it on like ABC. Yeah, like, put it ESPN. somewhere where people don't have to go looking for it <laughs> so that they'll watch it. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. I mean, I like I agree with you. It was something great for the game. Um, it's bringing you know a monetary value to the game. You know, the women are able to compete and earn another bonus. 
Um, the only thing that I didn't really like, and I don't know if it's because of COVID or maybe their teams weren't playing, I didn't like the location of the game. Um, I don't know. I just felt like Seattle was playing, Connecticut was playing. It could have been in a better location, um, you know, for the arena, for the fans, for the game of basketball. Yeah, I agree. I get the, like, trying to do a neutral court, and that's, I guess, why they played it in Phoenix, but it didn't feel like it was well-attended, and maybe COVID does have something to do with that, but I feel like I've seen Mercury games this year that have more stands than that, so uh, I think it's probably partially, like, advertising, because I feel like I didn't even know that it was being played in Phoenix until, like, a week before, so, like, you gotta let everyone know that this big thing is coming. Um, Yeah, I feel, I feel like a game like this, you know, it should probably be in uh, Brooklyn. It should be on the Liberty home court. You know, Brooklyn yeah. has a nice atmosphere. The Liberty have a good organization. I mean, it's New York or somewhere like Los Angeles. Again, yeah. good women's basketball following good city, good things to do. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see what, what happens next year. But I did enjoy it, even though it was a blowout. But it's really good for the game. Yeah. My other thought of, like, if you're not going to play it in, like, any teams like market is to like put it someplace where there's like a huge like college following like play the game in South Carolina play the game and like well I guess there's a team in (laughs) (laughs) Dallas like someplace that has like a big college finding that following that doesn't have like necessarily a a a WNBA team in market because that gives those college fans a chance to come out see a game in person kind of transition to being friends of the W also if they're not and yeah to- <laughs> to- totally agree so la- last question for me Megan who, who who do you have winning tonight Phoenix or the Liberty I'm gonna go with Phoenix I feel like I don't know I New York has been much better this season than they were last season and they do have a lot of great pieces this year but I still feel like Phoenix is the the better team on this one <laughs> what about yeah you? I mean I I got, I got Phoenix. I, I, I have Phoenix. I know Sammy Whitcomb is out. Um, you know, she's a leader on the floor for them. She goes and gets her. She shoots the three for them. Um, Phoenix, Phoenix has been on a roll, and I'm kind of biased. I'm, I'm biased when it comes to Phoenix. Um, I watched them play in Atlanta last weekend. I hope they make a good playoff push. Um, I, they're going to they're gonna win this one. I got them by 10. <laughs> Put the Sharpie on it now. <laughs> yeah, I have Phoenix by 10. That's it. That's the tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Well, thank you, TJ. This was really fun. Of course, Megan. I mean, it's one. It's Wednesday. Um, I love talking about women's basketball. I love talking about basketball. Um, W NCAA. So it's been good. Thank you for having me, and uh, hopefully, we get to chat soon. Yes, definitely. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. As always, be sure to rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us. Also, be sure to check out the stats site at herhoopstats.com for all your WNBA stats and also all your NCAA stats because that season is approaching very quickly now as well. Make sure you're following us on social media at herhoopstats on all platforms and subscribe to our free newsletter on Substack for all our best content in your inbox every day. Thanks again for listening. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. 
Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.